You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. It's great to be among Cincinnati missionaries. This is a missionary service. Matter of fact, every service you go to is a missionary service. Since God has sent us into the world at this time with amazing uh, authority and power through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I've been privileged to be here several times in the past and delight to be here today and on Sunday. As you anticipate Easter just uh, now a month away, it's hard to believe, as you anticipate Easter, I would like for us to consider opening our spirit to whatever God wants to do. The cross is a game changer, as they say. The cross is the game changer, uh, as is the empty tomb and as is the ascension. The challenge for us folks who have been around more than one year since last Easter, do we have any new missionaries in the house here since last Easter? Okay, so I'm talking to all old people here tonight. You've been around more than a year, so you have your experience being a missionary. So as such, we have to be careful though, that we don't get locked into a certain way of thinking. The power of Easter is it's a time to say, Lord, here I am on the table, kind of like ingredients to the cake. You're, oh, I would say wife, but that's sexist these days. So whoever does the cake baking in your house. Putting that on the table, you're the raw, it's the raw ingredients. The eggs lose their egginess, and all the various ingredients lose their identity as a new thing emerges. God's doing an amazing thing in Cincinnati right now, and as we place ourselves on the table and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm just your raw ingredient in your hand. Jeremiah put it this way, he says, I went down to the potter's field and I saw him working on the wheel. And I noticed that when the vessel didn't turn out exactly the way he liked it, he went... Now, I'm sure that shows up in the Hebrew, the English, it doesn't translate appropriately. (laughs) The potter went and flattened the thing and did it again because the clay doesn't determine its identity, the potter does. I'm wondering here as we pray one more time this night, are you willing to pray, Lord, I want you to determine my identity? I want you to determine my purpose. I want you to determine the way I fit together with all the other missionaries in this area so that your purpose can be done and we can pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Lord, we open our heart, our mind, our emotions this night. We place ourselves on your wheel. We pray this Easter season that you do a new work in us. We're not just anticipating folks being filled with the Holy Ghost on Easter. We're not just anticipating baptism on Easter, but we're anticipating that you do a resurrecting thing in us. Let there be no dead things in us. Let there be no decay in us. You're the giver of life, and you're the giver of abundant life and joyful life, and we anticipate it. This Easter, Lord, as we pray, thy kingdom come 
and thy will be done. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. All authority and power is in your hand, O Lord. Governments don't have authority and power and economies don't have uh, authority and power and universities don't have all authority and power and health institutions don't have authority and power. You have all authority and power in your hand. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody say amen. Amen. Does anybody feel a little bit of anticipation? The Lord wants to do a a new thing. A new thing. A new thing. A side benefit of COVID isn't the increased sales of face masks. If anybody buys stock in face masks last January, your portfolio is doing pretty good about now. The benefit of COVID is it flattened us, squashed us down again, and now we can say, Lord, do that work in us. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. I would like to teach a little bit tonight on one Simon talking to another Simon. So from one Simon to another Simon. So we're going to kind of eavesdrop on a little bit of Simon conversation. We have Simon number one, Simon the sorcerer, and we have Simon number two, Simon Peter. So we have one Simon to another. But this is all in the context of us preparing for Easter. We're saying, Lord, I'm opening my mind, my emotions, my actions to new things in you new things in you. Uh, Any of you that have studied child development or perhaps educators in the house, or even if you've watched your children or grandchildren grow up, it's such a delight to see them grow spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and relationally. Uh, Jean Piaget, several years ago, a a renowned psychologist uh, who explored the way children's thought processes developed, came up with this idea of schema or kind of the way your brain's mapped, the way your brain's mapped, and says that we would have these mapping categories in our brain, and they would work until we encountered new pieces of information that didn't fit. So the little one that's learning how to talk says dog because either they have a dog or granny has a dog, and they let the dog lick them all over the face, and their mom is going, gross, would you stop it? Muzzle that dog, would you please, as they're sharing their food that they don't want to eat. They drop it for dog on the floor. And dog, of course, during dinner time, just circles around the child's high chair because that is the feeding ground. (laughs) So the the child has determined what a dog is. And and they have the little schnauzer in their home and they take a trip to someone and they see a St. Bernard and the child's eyes get saucer size. <gasps> dog. <laughs> dog. And then they and the, and the parent is so proud. My child is becoming quite the linguist. Can say me and dog now, you know. Quite the linguist. He's gonna be a zoologist because his ability to identify dog is. Of course, all that is crushed when you take the trip to auntie's house some miles away, driving through the country, and there's this beast in the field, a cow. 
And a child looks out the corner of the seat and says, Ooh, really big dog. And the parent says, okay, time for remediation already. Uh, Got to get them in some kind of therapy. That is not a dog, that's a cow. And from the child's perspective, everything that had four legs and tails and hair before worked. So from that category system, that cow's a dog. If your category system for dog equals animal, four legs and a tail, and that's all you know about dogs, cows are dogs. So you have to teach the child your old category doesn't work anymore. Doesn't work anymore. Similar to the way in which a child laughs at clowns. And the parent is just holding the child, child laughing at clowns until, it's, it's funny until the child sees someone like me who is not exactly bald, but certainly follically impaired, and says, clown. Because his understanding of clown was slick on top with hard walls on the side, you know. Clown. And the parent blushes as they often do and said, no, that is not a clown. The child's categories have to be changed and transformed. As we follow Christ, He will frequently take us to new places. New places. If you've been married more than several years, your marriage today is not what it was when you got married. Princess and I just celebrated number 41 last month. Uh, We were about three when we got married. (laughs) So we are certainly not the people that we were when we got married. We have gone places, seen things, done things, raised four kids, got grandkids, moved here and there. Things have changed. So that kind of sets the context for what we want to do leading up to Easter in Acts chapter 8, even though this is post-Easter, but the idea of being transformed by the cross. Reading from Acts chapter 8, verse number 5. I'm sorry, I brought the real version tonight instead of something else, so deal with the archaic language. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. That's a pretty good thing to preach. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many of them that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. Sidebar, I believe in this pagan world in which we live, we as God's people are going to have to cry out, Lord, that we need signs and wonders in the world today. If sickness comes your way and you're in need of miracle, As you're praying for that miracle, don't pray for your sake. Pray on behalf of your world's sake. Lord, I have a cancer. I would like to have it healed. But I don't want the cancer healed for me because for me to die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. So if it's up to me, just woohoo, take me home now. I'll get to find out the coefficient between shoe leather and gold, you know, as I'm getting my new gift of tap dancing over there. You know, we sing Pastor Free to Dance. The sad part is, is I can't. That's about it. 
In heaven, I'm going to be able to dance in His presence. So to die is gain. To live is Christ. So as you're praying for that miracle, say, Lord, I need this miracle, but not for me, but that the world might know you. That's what David said when Goliath was coming down. He says, Goliath, you're coming down, Bubba. You come to me with a sword and shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And because of this, you and your people are going to be defeated. And the consequence, the whole world is going to know who our God is. So as you go into a crisis, time of prayer is one of the game changers in our head. As missionaries in this season, Lord, I don't need a miracle for me. I offer myself to be a miracle so that the world has a chance to see your glory and your power and your majesty. In sidebar. And there was great joy in the city. There was a certain man called Simon. We'll just call him Simon number one. Before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria giving out that he himself was some great one. Everybody gave heed to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time had bewitched them with their sorceries. The Greek word for bewitch is the same word we use for pharmacy. In other words, he drugged the snot out of them. <laughs> but when they believed Philip... Uh, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. The reason we get baptized, not just that our sins are washed away, but His name gets plastered on us. He said to Moses, through Moses back in Deuteronomy, He says, there's going to come a time when I put my name on a city. My name's going to be there. It's going to be the place where the whole world's going to come to know me. And I still believe there's some fulfillment of that to happen in these last days, that the whole world is going to look towards Jerusalem and to see His power and authority one more time. But we, as God's people who have been baptized in His name, His name has been called on us. He has authority and dominion on us. They believed in His name and were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed also. Simon, number one, got it. He believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He wondered and beheld the miracles and the signs which were done. Samaria had delight and joy. A deacon had become an evangelist. Philip's old job in the church flowchart, when you went to the Samaria website and you clicked on ministry teams, <laughs> got to explain things differently today than I did a long time ago when I started preaching. When you would click on the church's website on ministry teams, you would click on servant team, and there he was as one of the lead servants. His job was bread passer outer. You see, he had served God with the best of his ability and walked in the Spirit. When the church needed a new ministry team, they found somebody who was already walking in the Spirit. And because of that, he was chosen with others to be deacons. And now there was threatenings and, and persecution come to Jerusalem. So he hikes it off to Samaria and he transitions from bread passer outer into becoming an evangelist. He just starts preaching what he knows 
starts preaching Jesus. I think in this last hour, we need to start talking what we know about. Anybody in the house know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Remember the blind man one day? He had been blind from his mother's birth and the theologians got into arguments. Was he a sinner or his parents a sinner? Or what happened that the guy is blind? And how did Jesus heal you? Is he from the devils or is he God? And, and the blind man says, I, I don't know all of your arguments that are going on. I just want you to know this. Yesterday well, I was blind. Today I'm not. Y'all can fuss over the details. I just want you to know I was with Jesus and my category shifted. I changed in a moment. I was blind. Now I see. Everybody in the house tonight has enough understanding of Jesus to tell somebody else about the one who has changed you and transformed you. If you have felt his love, you got something to talk about Jesus. My brother Littles, I don't know how he's fully God and fully human. Then don't talk about that part. (laughs) I don't know what his post-ascension state's exactly like. Well, neither do I and neither did John. 1 John 3 says we don't know exactly what he's like. But on that day, we will be face to face and we get to see him without masks on. (laughs) He will be unmasked. And we will be unmasked. We don't know what it's going to be like with that great unmasking. But this one thing is true. We're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That journey has already begun tonight. You're growing more and more and more like Jesus. Anybody hungry to be more like Jesus in 2021? Lord, transform us to be more in your image. Let us have a mind like you, O Lord. Give us the ability to lay down, lay down nice clothes and pick up the towel so we can serve others in your name. That's our prayer, O Lord. That's our prayer, O Lord. So Samaria, Philip began preaching what he knew. He knew something about Jesus, so he preached about Jesus. And when you talk about Jesus, Jesus shows up. The day is gone when someone would ask you at the grocery store, would you have pastor or your church pray for us? That day is over. If someone's in need and needs prayer, you're the one on the spot. You don't have to have some kind of eloquent prayer. You just got to say, Lord, you promised that when we cry out to you, you would hear our voice. This person's crying out to you. Would you hear their voice right now? Bring healing and peace and comfort in this situation. You have that authority. I need to get it in my brain. I need my brain rewired that I have the authority, that we all have the authority to call on that name which has been placed on us and signs and wonders will follow. Signs and wonders were following and he began to preach baptism. After he preached Jesus, began to preach about the name and began to teach about baptism and they were all baptized, even this sorcerer. He went from following sorcery and magic to following faith with tarot cards or however you pronounce that at least you got a little piece of paper to flip down you can finish sipping your tea and swirl it around and read the tea leaves our brother daniel and his three buddies they went to soothsayer you back in babylon they even had the letterman's jacket i'm sure that had su on the side 
They went to Soothsayer U. They didn't believe any of this stuff. They just had to finish Soothsayer U so they could get the job in bureaucracy that God was situating, placing them. God strategically placed Daniel in a position where the Lord's name could be known. I don't know where you work, but this one thing I do know is God's will that you be working there. And you don't go there for money. Subtle incentive to get me out of bed on some mornings. But really, you and I, we, when we go to work, we're going there just waiting for a Jesus moment to happen. Lord, I may be putting on tires today, and I don't know how many I'm going to put on. And yesterday the equipment broke down, a little bit frustrating. But Lord, you're sending me to the tire shop today because somebody's going to come in needing tires, and I'm going to be there on the scene waiting for the Spirit to move for the right moment to talk about kingdom-shaped things. As Philip is doing his teaching and preaching, the change from the the concrete of the sorcerer's training like Daniel had received where they would learn how to, and he had to fake it, had to learn how to read the guts of goats or to watch birds fly off of trees. And that's how they would predict the future through sorcery. And it's, it's kind of like when you read the uh, decade review in the newspaper and someone says, wow, that person was spot on. They predicted this. Can you believe it? And I want to say, would you go back and read to me all their other predictions? I don't know about you, but when I was in school, way back when we had to read off of granite sheets of paper because paper was not yet invented. (laughs) We all got those books, remember, and you would flip to the front and the last person's name was there. And if your school was really poor, you saw your mama's name on the same book that you got. (laughs) Now we just hand out iPads to everybody. And no snow days. Dear God, what's up with that? As we anticipate the ways in which we are able to see new kingdom things come to pass, we have to learn to walk by faith and switch away from every other system of making sense of our world. I don't know about your political leaning. It doesn't really matter tonight, but your political leaning isn't what gives you a view of the world. Jesus alone has the right Jesus alone has the right to give you lenses for looking at the world. Paul put it this way, excuse me, Peter put it this way in his first epistle, we are royal priesthood. Those are the glasses through which we view the world. You might be Democratic-leaning. That's not your lens on the world. You might be Republican-leaning. That's not your lens on the world. Your lens on the world is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, resurrected on the third day, and He's coming back again. That's my lens on the world. And that lens on the world lets me care for kids, lets me care for the, those that are marginalized, lets me care for those who have been disregarded racially or age-wise or whatever the issue of uh, uh, denigrating another human being. Our lens is the lens of Jesus. This city had a tremendous makeover. Samaria had a makeover from following sorcery to following faith. It would be hard for me to fully explain the consequences of a change from sorcery to faith. 
Imagine what would happen in Cincinnati, in Ohio, in America, if within one month went from fear and anxiety of COVID and finances and health and all of that, and within one month we changed to a city of faith. Can, do you, when you just start thinking, you say, and this would change, and this would change, and that would change, and because a whole new category. No longer fear, no longer anxiety. Just saying, God, your kingdom's on its way and you've sent us here to be ambassadors for you and I can't wait to get up in the morning. I can't wait to go out and into the street and the highway and the byway to tell someone else about you. Samaria was transformed in a very short period of time from magic to faith. And the chief magician got changed. The chief magician went from fleecing the people to walking by faith. Scripture says Simon believed. He he wasn't baptized a bandwagon. He believed. He laid down all of his previous uh, lifestyle and says, I'm going to follow Philip. I kind of fake some miracles from time to time, similar to the... uh, the, the soothsayers in Egypt, remember? Uh, Moses' first three tricks, they did the same thing. After that, Moses outstripped them. Simon quickly found out, you know, there, there's, there's a new boss in town. It's not me. And I got a choice here. I can fight the new boss or I can join the new boss. How about we join the king tonight? How about we pray every day, Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Don't know what I'm going to face today, but this one thing I do know, you can be glorified in it. This might be the most amazing year we've ever had, and there will probably be some deaths this year in some families. But God, thy kingdom come and thy will be done through it. That's what Simon did. He was transformed. He was baptized, and Scripture says he followed Philip. Evidently, he had a few shekels saved up from his soothsayer years and just just walked around with Philip. You know, after a whole lot of healings, people got to move the wheelchairs out of the way. That was probably Simon's new gig. All these folks who were on pallets brought to be healed, and they were healed in, in the campaign as Philip preached Jesus, and faith just began to soar through the roof. Uh, Simon was the one that was there just rolling up those bedrolls and pitching them over. You're not going to need, you don't need that anymore. Just, just throw that away. I just want you to know this change when it comes to you, it changes you for good. It changed me for good. I'm not the same man I used to be. And you don't have to go back to the way you used to be. Just pitch that aside. And he would follow Philip wherever he went because something amazing was going down in Samaria and he wanted in on it. Brothers and sisters, could we for a moment this Easter season look into the realm of the Spirit and say, God, some amazing things are going down in Cincinnati town. There's some amazing things that are happening in the world of the Spirit. There are, there are people who are hungry and thirsty because their crutches are broken. The things they depended on and leaned on, they're not working anymore. Lord, would you just show us that? So Simon started walking that way. Now, Philip was a little bit discouraged in his ministry. Now, notice the whole town's changed. Baptistry scoreboard is pretty good. You've got to keep refilling the tank because all their clothes just start dripping the water out all the time. You know, you just got to... Wouldn't that be a great tro- problem, Pastor? 
Who's going to refill the tank tonight? Because we baptized so many last night that the tank's half empty. We've got to pause baptism now. We've got to refill the tank. It's, we, we've dripped a lot of the water out over the last couple of hours. I'm anticipating if God did it before, day of Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized that believe God can do Does anybody believe God's still in that saving business? <laughs> Simon was a little bit, uh, excuse me, Philip was a little bit discouraged because nobody had yet gotten the Holy Ghost. You, you see, here's what happens. You believe on Jesus, you get baptized in his name, and you're going to receive the Spirit. And Philip is a little bit concerned. Nobody's receiving the Holy Spirit. So he, he sends a messenger down to Jerusalem, and a couple of apostles come up. And as soon as they touch some folks, Holy Spirit begins to fall as they're touching people. Wave after wave of outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The excitement that had come with faith. Because when you start believing in Jesus, excitement comes. When you repent, excitement comes. When you're baptized, excitement comes. When you see a miracle, excitement comes. But there is nothing like receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the ultimate game changer that happens in us. If we had ten verified cancers healed this coming Sunday morning and reporters could look at the x-rays from what was to what is. That would be newsprint worthy and folks would begin to wonder what church do you go to where that level of miracle is happening and we would put it on the website and we would stream it out there and you would have to nail pastor's feet to the floor because everybody in the country would want him to come preach for them. For Simon, however, he didn't ask for power for miracles. He asked for the power to touch someone and they receive the Holy Spirit. So many people say, well, I've not seen the miracles of the blind eyes open and the dead raised and, and leprosy healed and palsies taken care of as we see here in this text. Simon, number one, says, no, that's not the greater thing. And you've all seen this. You've seen someone receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need a bit of a mind change this Easter. Lord, the greatest things that you do are not healing financial needs and physical needs. The greatest things that you do is the outpouring of your Spirit, that your Spirit comes and empowers us as individuals to be gifted by your Spirit and to do your work in this hour. So Simon, number one, comes to Simon number 2. So let's drip down, drop down to verse number 18. And when Simon number 1 saw that through the laying on of hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them dinero, saying, Give me also this power, that whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, now that's a good request, isn't it? Not the cash part. I've, had, I've been blessed a couple of times in my ministry to say, I remember it was in Vancouver, B.C., a couple years ago, and the presence of God was there in such a powerful way. The unction of the Spirit came on me, and I said, if anybody wants the Holy Spirit now, if you stand, come right here. I promise you right now, you will receive the Holy Spirit as soon as you get up here. Don't, don't nudge a neighbor, ask your neighbor if they want to come, but if you really want it, you come right now, you will get it. 
Sure enough, a lady who had been seeking the Holy Spirit for a while stood up, came to the front, and God did an amazing thing. What a blessing that was. And Simon number one says, I want that blessing on a daily basis. When I'm talking to someone that's been baptized, I say, sir, ma'am, do you want the Holy Spirit? I just want to be able to, I want to join with them in prayer and the Holy Spirit fall. Now notice Simon has probably already received the Holy Spirit for him to ask for that power. He's believed. He's been baptized, probably has received the Spirit. What an amazing transition in his life. But now he asks for the authority to lay hands on folks. Verse number 20, Peter, Simon number 2, said unto him, Your money perish with you. It's no good here. Because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither part, you have no part, and you have no lot in this matter for your heart. It ain't right with God. Now, here's where you get the cartoon sound effect of the skitter, you know, on this. Those of you that went to Sears and watched cartoons with me, okay? That's how I can tell who's really the old Pentecostals in the house, that you got what I was talking about there. So, wait a minute. Simon believed, Simon was baptized. Simon received the Holy Spirit. And now Simon number two says, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent. I did. Repent. Now, now look at his wickedness here. No sexual immorality. No absconding with the city's funds. He's already put away that lifestyle. No murder going on, no cheating going on, no immoral behavior whatsoever is going on. His failure that needs repentance is because he thinks the powerful things of God can be acquired by human effort. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness. Wickedness. You think you can pull it off? That is wicked. When I think of wickedness, I think of folks hurting other people. I'm a gentle, nice, loving kind of guy, but when I see child abuse, I want to rip off somebody's arm and beat them in the head with it. just cannot handle child abuse. It just sends me over the edge. That's, that's wicked. That's wicked. When I, when I see a, a Madoff kind of character stealing from folks' pension funds, that's wicked. Don't put him in jail. Put him on the street cleanup crew. Make him follow behind a dump truck all day for the rest of his life and sweep up the street. There's punishment for the cat because that's wickedness. But when you're a child of God, when you've repented, when you've been baptized in His name, and when you've received the Spirit, here's the definition of wickedness. You lean on your understanding. You see the rubric change? It went from murder bad thinking I can do it by my own efforts. Wicked. From sorcery and magic, putting all of that down. The Old Testament, of course, he would have been stoned. Putting down his sorcery and his magic, and he says, I'm going to live wickedly? 
I'm sure pastor wishes this was the only form of wickedness at Calvary Church. (laughs) That pastoral counseling was only about this form of wickedness, Christian wickedness. People thinking they got holy by their efforts instead of receiving holiness from God. That's wicked. Thinking God loves you because of what you have done. The cross tells you He has always loved you. As a matter of fact, He loved you before you ever loved Him. And to think you can earn God's love, you think you can earn His honor, you can earn His blessings, that's wicked. I have to confess, there's been some wickedness in my spirit down through the years. I didn't drink or chew or kiss girls that do. I put away that wickedness. I followed the straight path. But there was some wickedness, thinking I could get God's favor and God's blessings. That's wickedness. Put it away. I perceive you're in the, you are in the gall of bitterness. And you are in the bond of iniquity. Here's the issue that's going on here. Simon's schema, his brain pattern, his dog versus cow thinking, his dog thinking as if you want good stuff, you got to earn it. You don't learn sorcery on your own in those days. You had to be an apprentice with someone else. I don't know what kind of abuse he had taken from the master magician before him. Don't know how much it had cost him to buy the Samaria franchise for sorcery. It had cost him dearly. People just saw the benefits of being in charge and nobody knew the heart hurt that it had cost him to step on folk and to move in that dimension. But his brain is mapped. If you want to new, new, do a new thing, you got to earn it. Some people unfortunately think that that's what fasting is for. If I'll fast, I can get God's attention. Brothers and sisters, you have God's attention. Some folks think that if I just pray more, then then God will show up. Uh Uh-oh, He's always here waiting for us to show up. We have His attention. The question is, does God have our attention? So Simon's got to have a brain change. From, I got to earn new stuff. That's the way it's always been before. I got to buy a franchise of spiritual authority. And Simon Peter says, that's not going to work. That comes from a deep wound in your heart. And you better repent, Bubba. Now, how did Simon know how to talk like this? Because Simon Peter, Simon number two, knows exactly where Simon number one is coming from. Because there was one day he thought Jesus was going to be a Messiah and Jesus was going to kick out the Romans and Jesus was going to have power. He had one idea of Messiah. When he confessed, thou art the Christ, Jesus blew his mind out by saying, and I'm going to die. And you're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. And Simon took him aside quietly and said, Lord, don't talk like this. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. 
You don't savor the things of God. He had given up his business. He had given up his family. But he doesn't savor the things of God. He had a gall of bitterness inside of him. Luke chapter 22. At the end of Jesus' public ministry, Simon still doesn't get it. I will die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, you are going to be sifted as wheat. And I pray for you. I am praying for you that your faith fail not. Simon thought he was ready, but Simon was not up to the challenge. Self-preservation was more important than following Jesus. In John chapter 21, after the resurrection, Simon still doesn't get it. Jesus has to ask him three times to follow him. And Simon Peter says, does John have to suffer like I would? Two chapters later, in this exact same book, Simon number two still doesn't get what God's wanting to do. Don't you call unclean what I call clean. You have redlined some folks out of the gospel in your city because of where they came from. Put away your red pen, Simon number two. I'm going to change your mind one more time. I'm not a respecter of persons in that way. I love everybody regardless of the color of the skin, texture of the hair, where they've been through and what they have done. Simon, you better change what's in your heart. It's not right with God. Simon number two knew how to talk to Simon number one because Simon number two had lived through the same story. Tonight as we lead, lean towards Easter, I believe that a vast majority in this room, including myself, I have some of those characteristics inside of me. And the Master is wanting me to walk the road to Calvary with an open mind that says, Lord, whatever you want to change in me, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. If I had time, I could talk about every demographic in this room and transformation that needs to happen in you. I know what it is in me as I uh, turn 60 later this year. There's some stuff in my life that I'm really wrestling with. And the Spirit is saying, Jim, there's a root of bitterness inside of you. You thought you could only do something when you were 40. You thought you could only do something when you had a certain job. You thought you could do something when you had energy and could work 16 hours a day. And you can't do it now. And you want to give up and quit. Who's been doing it all along through you anyway, son. It's by my might and it's by my power, says the Lord. Would you stop trusting in horses and chariots and start trusting in the name of the Lord, our God. If there's anybody in the house that you've just believed and not been baptized, would you take that step? If there's anybody been baptized but not received the Holy Spirit, would you take that step? If tonight you're battling to earn favor with God, would you take that step? Whatever challenge you're facing right now, it is worth it to say, Lord, I repent. I repent of trying to control you. Would you take control of me? Let's stand together. Jesus told Simon number two back in Mark, excuse me, back in Luke 22, I'll pray for you that your faith hold. That's why Simon number two says, you've got to repent. And Simon number one says, then would you pray for me that these don't happen which are spoken unto me? Right now, this is a time in the Spirit that if you're willing to raise your hand with me and say, Jim, there's some stuff in my spirit that the Lord's wanting to change in me this Easter. 
if you'll confess that right now, just by showing your hand, there's some stuff God's wanting to change in me. I got some fear, and this doesn't come from God. I have some anxiety, and this doesn't come from God. I'm feeling worthless. I'm feeling lack of value in my life, and this doesn't come from God. I got an obstacle. I don't see a way through it. That doesn't come from the Lord. If, if that's you, would you just raise a hand right now and say, Jim, would you pray for me? Right now, in the name of Jesus, oh Lord, I pray for everyone with an upraised hand right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you heal in the heart? Would you take away that heart gall of bitterness? Would you take away that shame? And would you take away that pain that hinders from trusting you? I pray right now that everyone in this room receive a healing in your spirit. Receive an openness in your spirit to trust God one more time that you can be the missionary God called you to be. He wants your family to see you living in joy and peace and hope. He wants your colleagues, your co-workers, your neighbors to see delight and peace and power in you. That's God's good pleasure towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. Oh Lord, and collectively over Calvary Church right now, I pray a blessing. Oh Lord, there have been there have been moments of power and faith in this congregation in the last decades. But Lord, you brought Calvary to a new season. Calvary's never been at this season before. Lord, would you heal whatever you need to heal in Calvary? Would you do it right now in us, Lord Jesus? Because this isn't about Calvary. This is about the neighboring community. And we ask it by your authority and by your power. Transform us so you can do a new thing in us individually and in us through Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.